Lord Peter Wimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter. Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. Adapted in eight episodes by Peter Jones and Tanya Leaven. Episode 7, The Barometer Falls. Lord Peter's investigations into the death of Dennis Cathcart have led him to Grider's Hole, the farm of Mr and Mrs Grimethorpe. After nearly losing his life in the swamp behind the farm, Lord Peter finds inside the house a clue which provides an alibi for his brother, the Duke of Denver, who is shortly to stand trial for Cathcart's murder. Ah, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Mrs. Grimethorpe. Morning. Are you better? Oh, perfectly all right, thank you. Thanks to your kindness, which I don't know how to repay. You will repay any kindness best by going at once. My husband does not care for strangers. Yeah, well, I will go directly, but I must first beg for the favour of a word with you. What do you want with me? Mrs. Grimethorpe, I am placed in a most painful position. You know that my brother, the Duke of Denver, is in prison awaiting his trial for a murder which took place on the night of October the 13th. I have heard so. He has refused to state where he was between 11 and 3 o'clock on that night. His refusal has brought him into great danger of his life. He feels bound in honour not to disclose his whereabouts, though I know that if he chose to speak, he could bring a witness to clear him. Why are you telling me all this? Because, Mrs. Grindthorpe, you know how innocent my brother is of this murder. I know nothing about your brother. Forgive me, but that is not true. I know nothing. And surely if the Duke will not speak, you should respect his reasons. I am not bound in any way. I, I am afraid I cannot help you. You are wasting time. If you cannot produce your missing witness, why do you not set about finding the real murderer? I've been working hard to find him, but with no success. The trial will probably take place at the end of this month. I had hoped that with your help we might agree on some explanation... Less than the truth, perhaps, but sufficient to clear my brother. As it is, I fear I shall have to produce the proof I hold and let matters take their course. What, what do you mean by proof? I can prove that on the night of the 13th, my brother slept in the room I occupied last night. It is a lie. He will deny it. I shall deny it. You cannot prove it. He was not there? No. Then how did this letter come to be wedged in the sash of the bedroom window? Oh, no. Oh, no, it is a lie. Oh, God, help me. Now, Mrs. Grimethorpe, please, somebody will hear you. Now, tell the truth and we'll see if we can find a way to protect you. It is true, isn't it? He was here that night. You know it. When did he come? At a quarter past twelve. Who let him in? He had the keys. When did he leave you? A little after two. Yes, that fits all right. Three quarters of an hour to go and three quarters to get back. He stuck the letter in the window, I suppose, to stop it from rattling. There was a high wind and I was nervous. I thought every sound was my husband coming back. Your husband suspected this? Yes, 
But he could get no proof. If you call me to give evidence, he will know. He will kill me. Oh, for God's sake, have pity. That letter is my death warrant. Find some other way. You can. You must. Mrs. Granthorpe, believe me, I am deeply sorry for you. And if I can get my brother out of this without bringing you in, I promise you that I will. But if there should be no other way, I will see that you have police protection from the moment that the Sabina is served upon you. <laughs> for the rest of my life? Once you're in London, we'll see about freeing you from this man. Oh, no. If you call upon me, I am a lost woman. But you will find another way. I'll try to do everything that is possible to protect you. <gasps> oh. Ah, Mr. Grindthorpe, there you are. Oh, Awfully uh, pleased to see you, and thank you for putting us up. I was just saying so to Mrs. Grindthorpe and asking her to say goodbye to you for me. Uh, I must be off now. Uh, good. Bunter and I are ever so grateful to you both for your kindness. And I wonder if you could find those stout fellows who hauled us out of that pot of yours last night. Uh, if it is yours, that is. Nasty, damp thing to keep outside your front door, what? Damn good <laughs> thing for unwelcome guests. Oh, oh, yes, oh yes, I bet. Yes, rather am I. And I'd better be off before I throw you out. Yes, well, I am just off, actually. Well, goodbye again, Mrs. Grindthorpe. And a thousand thanks. Bunter, I'd like you to bring us some of the 97 Armagnac. Very good, my lord. Oh, it's good to be back, Charles. You know, I'm not sure that the London variety of fog isn't preferable to the type they produce on the moors. Uh, providential, though, wasn't it? <laughs> if there hadn't been a fog, you wouldn't have been in Peter's pot, you wouldn't have been rescued, you wouldn't have spent the night in Grimethorpe's bedroom. And wouldn't have found the letter. Exactly. By the way, I have a, another letter for you to look at. Huh? Yes, from my cockney landlord at the Rose and Crown. Uh, ah, yes, here it is. Yeah, my lord, about our conversation, I found a man who was with Grimethorpe, the party in question, at the Pig and Whistle on the night of the 13th Alt, and he tells me that he and the party had been drinking together until closing time, and the party borrowed his bicycle, same was found afterwards in the ditch where party was picked up. Oh, hmm. What do you think of that? Oh, that's good enough to get on with. Yes, that means we can eliminate Grimethorpe as well as Mary. Yes. And though she's my sister, I must say that of all the blithering she-asses, Mary is the blitherinest. I mean, taken up with that awful bounder Goyles to start with. Oh, she was jolly fine about oh, it. It's really? just because oh. she's your sister you can't appreciate what a fine thing she did. How could a big chivalrous nature like her see through a man like that? She's so sincere and thorough herself, she judges everyone by the same standards. It was, it was wonderful the way she fought for him. I mean, think what it must mean to such a splendid, straightforward woman. All right, all right, that, all right, I mean, let... Charles, don't get worked no, no. up, I believe you. Please spare me, I'm only a brother. All brothers are fools. All lovers are lunatics, Shakespeare says so. Do you want Mary, old man? Oh, well, 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 why you surprise me? But I believe brothers are always surprised. Bless you, my dear children. Damn it all, Whimsy. You've no right to talk like that. I only said how greatly I admired your sister. There's no need to be insulting. I know she's Lady Mary Whimsy. I'm only a common police official with nothing a year and a pension to look forward to, but there's no need to sneer about it. I'm not sneering, Charles. I can't imagine why anybody should want to marry my sister, but you're a friend of mine and a damn good sort. And you've my good word for what it's worth. Thank you, Peter. No, I'm sorry I got a bit... Ah, don't mention it, Charles. 
97 Armagnac, my lord. Well done, Bunter. Are these uh, letters to be filed, my lord? Mm, uh, yes, Bunter. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the one from the window at Grider's Hole and this one from Mr. Watchett. Very good, my lord. Oh, filed, eh? Pleased you have a system. <laughs> it's Bunter's invention, actually. I just stuff everything in my pockets, and when I've turned in, Bunter goes through them and files anything relevant. His Lordship Taylor insists on that, Mr. Parker. Gentlemen's pockets should never harbour more than the slimmest of notebooks. Uh, exactly. I'll see if there's anything for you in my pocketbook, shall I? Uh, that's getting a bit full. Here. Here's a couple of letters you can file. There you are. And what's this piece of blotting paper? My Lord? Ah, yes, of course, from the study at Riddlesdale. From... Wait a moment. Wait a moment, Charles. Of course! Manon Lisco. Well, what do you... My Lord? Well, boil my brains. Boil them and mash them and serve them up with butter as a dish of termis for it's damn well all they're fit for. Here we have been worrying over Jerry and Mary and hunting Goyleses and Grimethorpes and God knows who... And all the time I have got this little piece of paper tucked away in my pocket. Manon! Manon! Oh, Charles, if I had the grey matter of a woodlouse, that book ought to have told me the whole story. Peter, I have never read Manon Lesko. I haven't the foggiest idea what you've discovered. Have a look at that blotting paper. <laughs> all right. Ah, I see two blots. Someone must have shaken a pen there. And that's all, except uh, a fragment consisting of O-E on one line and is F-O-U below it. Now, what do you make of that? Well, I uh, could be his found or his foul. What, the Duke been writing about Cathcart's foul play? No, I don't make that of it. Besides, I don't think it's Jerry's writing. Well, whose is it? Well, I can guess. Oh, cough it up, Peter. Try the line above. Well, there's only the O-E and then there's some scratches in front of that. Well, there aren't lashings of English words with O-E in them. And it's written so close that it almost looks like a diphthong at that. Mm. That's his French. You're getting warm. It could be Sir, Earth, Birth, Cur. Cur. Yes. Uh, have a look at the scratches in front of it. Uh, E-R-C-E-R. Erser, Erser. How about Perce le coeur? Now, what's that mean? Mm, it means pierce the heart. Uh, now, yes, now, now your F-O-U line. Foo! Who? No, I didn't say who. I said foo. Yes, I, I knew you did. I said who. Who? Yeah, well, who is foo? Who is? By Jove, yes, of course, sweet. Je suis foo. And I suggest that the next words might have been something like, um, um, de douleur. Well, they might have been. Yeah, you cautious beast. I say they are. Yeah, but it still tells us nothing. Well, now, think, Charles, well. think. This was written on the day Cathcart died. Now, who in the house would be likely to write Percé le coeur? Je suis fou de douleur. Now, take everybody. Well, I know it ain't Jerry's fist, and he wouldn't use those expressions anyway. Mr. or Mrs. Pettigrew Robinson, well, not Pygmalion, likely. Freddy? <laughs> Freddy couldn't write passionate letters in French to save his life. Well, it, it, it would have to be either Cathcart or Lady Mary. No, it couldn't be Mary. No, why not? Well, not unless she changed her sex. It would have to be Je suis folle. But Cathcart... Of course, of course, of course. He lived in France all his life. Now, consider his bank book. Consider. Oh, Peter, we've been blind. Yes! Listen, I, I was going to tell you that the Surete write to me that they've traced one of Cathcart's banknotes. Where to? Well, to a Mr. Francois who owns a lot of property near the Etoile. Ah, and left it out in apartments? Oh, no doubt. When's the next train, Bunter? Uh, my lord. The next train, Bunter, for Paris. 8.20, my lord, from Victoria. 
and I'm going to catch it. Pack my toothbrush and call a taxi. Certainly, my lord. But Peter won't like to sit throw on Cathcart's murder. Look, I've no time now, but I'll be back in a day or two. Meanwhile, read this. What? What it, is it? It is a classic French novel, Charles, called Manon Lescaut. <laughs> Welcome back, my lord. I'm afraid the newspapers are making a meal of the forthcoming trial, my lord. Never mind that, Bunter. Get two taxes. Two, my lord? One for you. You are going to the temple, and I am going to the American embassy. Uh, very good, my lord. But I assumed I should accompany you to the American embassy. I only want a visa, Bunter. Surely I can get a simple thing like that on my own. I hope so, my lord. So do I. I've got to get over to New York and be back in time for the trial. Will you catch the Aquitania from Liverpool tonight, my lord? Uh, yes, Bunter. And if these Americans don't jump to it, then I shall really show them how an Englishman can get things moving. I'd like to be there to witness the spectacle, my lord. Taxi! Here, Lord. Look, I'll take this one, Bunter. There's another one behind. Give Merbles my regards. Buckingham Palace and fast. I must apologise to Your Majesty and Your Excellency for bursting in, but I'm sure it can be done. Oh, yes. Of course it can be done. Surely, surely we mustn't have any delay. It might cause an international misunderstanding in a lot of paragraphs about Ellis Island. Terrible nuisance uh, have to adjourn the trial. Dreadful fuss, isn't it? Our secretaries are everlastingly bringing things along to our place to sign about extra policemen and seating accommodation. Uh, good luck to you, Whimsy. Uh, when does your boat go? Uh, tomorrow morning, early, sir. I'm catching the Liverpool train in an hour, if mm. I can. You surely will. Here, I've signed the visa. Thank you, Your Excellency. Uh, your Majesty, if you would excuse me. Uh, certainly, Whimsy. Remember me to your mother. I will. She'll be delighted, sir. Hmm. And they say the English can't hustle. <laughs> I say, Benson, don't you think we ought to uh, be getting over to the Lords and taking our places? Calm yourself, Enright. It's all ritual and pageantry for at least another hour. Oh. It's a slow job getting 300 doddering peers into their right places. I've seen it all, old boy. Seen it all. Oh, 11 o'clock. Good. Let's have another cup of coffee and then stroll over in time to hear the first witness. The Duke himself? No hope. He's the accused. No, the, the first witness to be called by the prosecution will be the Duke's sister, the beautiful Lady Mary. And Sir Wigmore Rinching will be cross-examining her. I wouldn't like to miss that. You won't, Enright. Believe me. Now, Lady Mary, let us turn to later that night. Or rather, early the following morning. At three o'clock, what did you do? I got up and went downstairs. In consequence of what did you do so? In consequence of an appointment I'd made to meet a friend. Indeed. Now, witness, remember you are on oath and be very careful. What was it caused you to wake up at three o'clock? I wasn't asleep. I was waiting for my appointment. And while you were waiting, did you hear anything? Nothing at all. Now, Lady Mary, I have here your deposition sworn before the coroner. I will read it to you. You say... At three o'clock, I was wakened by a shot. I thought it might be poachers. It sounded very loud. I went down to find out what it was. Do you remember making that statement? 
Yes, but, but it wasn't true. It was not true. No, I heard nothing at all. I went down because I had an appointment. My lords, I must ask leave to treat this witness as a hostile witness. Proceed. Who was this person with whom you had an appointment? A Mr. George Goyles. Thank you, Lady Mary. Is she lying now, or did she lie to the coroner? Mm, to the coroner, my bad. Mm. I shouldn't wonder if Sir Impey hasn't something up his sleeve. Uh, wait for it. Ah, here it comes. Give the nature of the question, Lady Mary, but will you tell us whether, in your opinion, Captain Cathcart was deeply in love with you? No, I'm sure he was not. It was an arrangement for our mutual convenience. From your knowledge of his character, do you suppose he was capable of a very deep affection? Oh, I think he might have been for the right woman. I should say he had a very passionate nature. Thank you. Did Captain Cathcart ever give you this platinum and diamond cat? Never. Did you ever possess such a jewel? No, I'm quite positive. I never did. My lords, I put in this diamond and platinum cat. Thank you, Lady Mary. Call Arthur James Fleming. Hmm. Who have we got there, Enright? The man servant from Riddlesdale. Oh, not very impressive. It can't be the butler. Why not? Well, if he were, Sir Wigmore wouldn't hand him over to the defence for a start. Listen. You can't recall giving the Duke a letter on the 13th of October? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, no, sir. But you're not sure? Uh, no, sir. Do you recollect whether any letters came by post for anyone else? There were several letters, and there was one for Captain Cuthcart. Did the captain open his letter? I could not say, sir. I left the room to take his grace's letter to the study. I see. So the Duke did receive a letter that evening? Uh, yes, sir. I remember now, sir. Uh, now, will you tell us how the letters are collected for the post in the morning at the lodge? Uh, they are put into the post bag, which is locked. His grace keeps one key, and the post office has the other. On the morning after Captain Cathcart's death, were the letters taken to the post as usual? Yes, sir. By whom? I took the bag down myself, sir. Had you the opportunity of seeing what letters were in it? I saw there was two or three when the postmistress took them out of the bag, but I could not see who they was addressed to or anything. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Fleming, <clears throat> is this the first time you have mentioned this letter which you say you delivered to Captain Cathcart on the night of the murder? My lords, I protest against this language. We have as yet had no proof that any murder was committed. I submit that so far there has been no attempt to prove murder, and that until the prosecution have established the murder, such a word cannot properly be put into the mouth of a witness. Uh, perhaps, Sir Wigmore, it would be better to use some other word. I bow to your lordship's decision. Heaven knows that I wouldn't seek even by the most trivial word to hamper the defence on so serious a charge. My lords, if the learned attorney general considers the word murder to be a triviality, it would be interesting to know to what words he does attach importance. Uh, the learned attorney general has agreed to substitute another word. Uh, proceed, Sir Wigmore. Uh, thank you, my lord. Now, James Fleming, have you ever mentioned this letter which you say you delivered to Captain Cathcart on October the 13th? I mentioned it first to Mr. Murbles about three weeks ago. And Mr. Murbles is the solicitor for the accused, I believe. Yes, sir. Now, I put it to you that you had not remembered this letter till it was suggested to you by Mr. Murbles. M Mr. Murbles didn't suggest nothing, sir. He asked me, and then I remembered it. Exactly. 
When it was suggested to you, you remembered it. it no, sir. If I had been asked before, I, I should have remembered it and mentioned it, but not being asked, I, I did not think it would be of any importance, sir. You did not think it of any importance that Captain Cathcart received a letter a few hours before he died? No, no, sir. I reckoned if it had been of any importance, the police would have asked about it. And it didn't occur to you that you should mention it to the police? No, sir. Why not? I didn't think it was my place. Did you think about it at all? No, sir. Do you ever think? No, sir. I, I mean, yes, sir. Thank you. Between the day of the captain's death and the day when Mr. Myrtle spoke to you about it, the thought of this letter to Captain Cathcart never passed through your mind? It, it did, sir. When was that? Before the grand jury, sir. And how was it you didn't speak about it then? The gentleman said I was to confine myself to the questions and not say nothing on my own, sir. <laughs> Who was this very peremptory gentleman? The lawyer for the Crown, sir. Thank you. Call the Honourable Frederick Arbuthnot. Now, Mr. Arbuthnot, would you say that the deceased was merry and lively when he went to bed and looking forward to his marriage in the near future? Oh, yes. He seemed particularly cheery, you know. Thank you, Mr. Arbuthnot. Do you recollect anything about the letters that were brought in on the night of the death? Yes. I had one from my aunt, and Mr. Pettigrew Robinson had some, and there was one for Cathcart. Did Captain Cathcart read his letter there and then? No, I'm sure he didn't. Thank you, Mr. Arbuthnot. Now, Dr. Thorpe, would you say that the wound could have been self-inflicted? It could, certainly. Would it have been instantly fatal? No. Uh, from the amount of blood I found upon the path, it was obviously not immediately fatal. Could the deceased have had sufficient strength, in your opinion, to have crawled towards the house after shooting himself in the chest? Uh, he may have done. Are the appearances consistent with his having lived for some hours after being wounded? Well, they strongly suggest it. Thank you, Dr. Thorpe. And now, uh, Dr. Thorpe. Could you say whether, in your experience, it is more usual for a person committing suicide to shoot himself in the chest or in the head? Uh, in the head is perhaps more usual. Uh, so much as to create a presumption of murder when the wound is in the chest? Well, I would not go so far as to say that. Thank you, Dr. Thorpe. The Lords, I find myself in a more than usually anxious position. Not that I have any doubt of your Lordship's verdict, but I will explain to your lordships why I may be obliged to ask for an adjournment. We are at present without an important witness and a decisive piece of evidence. My lords, I have just been handed a cablegram from this witness. I will tell you his name. It is Lord Peter Wimsey, the brother of the accused. It was handed in yesterday at New York. I will read it to you. Expect to secure evidence tonight. Should arrive Croydon by aeroplane on Thursday. Stop. Sworn copy and depositions will follow by SS Lucania in case of accident. My lords, in spite of the wintry weather, Lord Peter Wimsey at this very moment may be cleaving the air high above the wide Atlantic to reach London before I rise to open for my noble client's defence. My lords, the barometer is falling. <laughs> 
In that episode of Clouds of Witness, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Lady Mary Whimsey, Mariah Aitken, Sir Impey Biggs, Brian Oldham, Mrs. Grimethorpe, Elizabeth Proud, Freddie Arbuthnot, Nigel Lambert, Jake, David Sinclair, Grimethorpe and Fleming, Bill Wallace, Sir Wigmore Rinching, Garrard Green, and Benson, John Forrest. The Barometer Falls was adapted by Peter Jones and Tanya Levin from the book Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett. <laughs>